Hello and welcome to Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. In this episode, we take matters to heart, so to speak. A couple of months ago, football fans will recall they had this heart-stopping moment when a Danish footballer had collapsed after suffering a cardiac arrest. It was during a Euro 2020 match. He survived due to timely intervention, medical intervention, that included the use of a defibrillator. A defibrillator is defined as a device that delivers a high-energy electric shock to the heart of someone who is in cardiac arrest. Last month, in fact, a letter went out from UK members of parliament and doctors, among others, to football associations, asking them to fund automated external defibrillators at the ground. Closer home, the last three months have seen two deaths from heart attacks that we sort of saw rather visibly on the media in the entertainment industry, and both were in their 40s. Given that Indians constitute about a fifth of global deaths from heart disease, and we are supposed to be 33 to 20 times at a higher risk of developing a heart disease compared to others, it makes it all that more worrying. And to make sense of all of this, we have Dr. Ramakanta Panda, who wears multiple hats, but I'll mention just a couple, as a cardiac surgeon and founder of the Asian Heart Institute. Apart from that, he's also operated on former Prime Minister Dr. Manmohan Singh over a decade ago. So thank you, Dr. Panda, for joining us. You're welcome. It's my pleasure to be in the podcast and uh, talking to you. Are more young people, in fact, getting heart attacks? Or are we, you know, in the non-medical world, really noticing it only now? Something that cardiac doctors like yourself have been seeing for a while? Yes, younger people are getting heart attack uh, at a much younger age nowadays. I'll give you an example. When I came to India and started practice around 28 years back, I'll be seeing probably one or two patients in a year who was below 30 years of age. Today, I see at least once in a week, or many times, three, four patients in a week who are less than 30 years of age. Definitely, I can tell you in 30 years alone, the heart disease incidence has gone up and more so among the youngers. That is very worrying. And uh, why is that, doctor? Is that because as you've you've written even many times in the past, you've spoken many times in the past, is it because Indians have a greater propensity for heart diseases? And are there regions in the country, like for instance, Punjab sees more instances of heart-related issues than say a Mizoram? Why is it that we are seeing more of these cases and is there a pattern to it? Yes, I think it is because of the lifestyle that has changed. I'll give you an example. When we were studying in medical school around 40-45 years back, our teachers used to tell us heart disease is a Western problem. This is not an Indian problem. We hardly used to see any heart patients. I'm talking the heart artery blockage problem. We used to get valve patients, but not the blockage problem. But today, in 40 years' time, it has become the number one healthcare problem in the country. And largely, that is because of the lifestyle change. When you say lifestyle change, that includes the most important thing is use of tobacco in any form. Tobacco or smoking or good car and all those stuff. Number two is the type of food we eat. We have gone for a very complex uh, simple food which by our 
parents or forefathers used to eat to a very simple and this carbohydrate all this ready made food that's number two that has caused also increase in diabetes and blood pressure and that is coupled with lack of exercise that children who used to have you know enough space run around to football and all you know play physical sports today everybody is on the computer so all these things tobacco food habits high incidence of diabetes blood pressure especially among youngers obesity and stress all these things are led that's the reason you can take example is punjab or mizoram mizoram still have a lifestyle which was there 50 years back but punjab or some other affluent states like gujarat or rajasthan has a much higher incidence of heart disease because of that it's largely because of lifestyle on top of that we indians have a propensity to get heart disease probably three times more than other population in the world when you combine both the high risk already we have combine that with all these risk factors that uh, we are imbibing that has resulted in a mushrooming of heart disease and especially in younger population you say we move from a complex diet to a simpler diet what would that mean exactly doctor you see i'll give the basic principle about it when you are eating a complex diet which is body takes longer time to break it down inside the body and then everything that we eat finally gets converted to sugar and that sugar is the one that gives energy to the body now when you eat a complex diet the body takes a longer time to break down to sugar so what happens is the sugar is released very slowly inside the body as you need the work that much sugar is released so you don't put on weight on the other hand if you are eating a simple diet i'll tell you what is complex and what is simple diet or the more refined diet it gets absorbed very quickly in the body sugar level goes up rapidly and that point of time body doesn't need that much sugar so what it does it secretes lot of insulin from the pancreas and that converts the sugar into fat and when you do repeatedly that the pancreas get tired is like a person can run 100 meter or 1 kilometer once in a day or twice a day but if you make him run continuously the person is going to feel tired and fall down same happens to the pancreas that is the main cause of developing diabetes obesity now what is simple and complex diet the complex diet is that which takes longer time for body to digest i'll give you we'll start with cereals let's look at it bajra jowar and ragi they have been our staple diet in india for parboiled rice or brown rice they have been our staple diet from that we have switched over to diet based on wheat wheat came to india with the britishers only few hundred years back and not only wheat they are also we are going to refine maida and all those things so those things get absorbed very quickly in the body and any ready made food that we are eating all those ready made food they have got two dangerous thing one is it is made of simple carbohydrate number two also it is to increase the shelf life of this food they use what is called trans fat trans fat one example is the dalda these are very dangerous because what happens is trans fat gives a longer shelf life to the food all those ready made food we see the market we buy and keep it we keep it for months that's the only way it is going to do because you are they are using lot of trans fat that is very dangerous to the body that can cause very high level of cholesterol it will damage all the arteries in the body develop heart disease which lead to kidney disease brain disease and liver disease so coming back to the question we have switched over from a very complex diet to a simple diet other thing is we also need to eat lot of fruits vegetables those things are very good for the body on the other hand eating animal food like say mutton or those things are bad but on the other side non veg food like egg egg white then fish they are good for the body especially salt water fish because it has certain beneficial alkali omega fatty acids which are good for the body so one should have a mixture of balanced diet which has more complex carbohydrate the other problem is in india we eat lot of carbohydrate 
we don't get a proportion of carbohydrate fat and protein that's what we proper percentage when you too much carbohydrate especially sugar if you look at the sugar consumption in last 100 years has gone up 30 times which means that what our forefathers used to eat in a month today we eat it in one single day sugar is as dangerous as tobacco or the cigarette so when you do all this combination that is a lethal situation especially when they are coupled with no exercise exercise has a very strong beneficial effect on the body if you ask me one of the best treatment if you ask me for heart disease cancer everything my number one treatment will be exercise when you do exercise it has multiple benefit one is it increases body's immunity strengthens body's immunity so that even if you get this cancer or cetera the incidence goes down number two it makes your blood vessel the arteries in the body very supple it makes it soft so that you don't get high blood pressure you don't get diabetes because your sugar gets burnt out in the body so you don't get diabetes don't get blood pressure so these are the advantages and you feel good because when you do exercise there are certain hormones are released from the body which makes you feel good throughout the day so my advice will be to go for a very complex diet which is balanced with has a percentage of protein fat and carbohydrate balance the carbohydrate has to be complex carbohydrate not a simple carbohydrate the protein should be equal both your vegetable protein and animal protein vegetable protein is like pulses dal chana rajma beans they are very good source of protein protein and some amount of animal protein those who are non vegetarian fish egg white they are good for the body and fat fat again you know there are there is something called trans fat which i told which is most dangerous one should avoid completely one is saturated and unsaturated fat there you have to take it as a percentage because everything is needed like homemade ghee taking one spoon a day is very good for the health but taking too much is bad Similarly, you need to have a proportion of everything. When you do that and combine that with regular exercise and do some yoga to reduce your stress, make sure your blood pressure is not very high, your diabetes is well controlled, or there is no diabetes, then chances of getting this problem will be less. And currently, we are having assuming a heart problem because of the opposite is happening. That's a lot of information that you've given us there in terms of staying away <laughs> from. You. preservatives and refined food and to keep the balance in terms of dietary habits yes absolutely agree with what you're saying so doc right now we've been living for the last 18 months with covid and at one level we hear doctors saying that people with heart ailments are vulnerable to covid at the same time we also know that covid is impacting the heart and there is this whole long covid concern how is yeah. covid impacting the heart number one is people who have heart problem like other some other risk factors like kidney problem lungs problem are at a much higher risk of having severe form of covid that is that. and a covid itself also affects the heart many ways number one when somebody gets a covid especially if the person has a lungs problem lungs is where oxygen is transferred from the air to the blood from the blood it goes to all parts of the body because oxygen is a very vital part is needed or any part of the any organ any body to survive and function so when one gets covid the lungs oxygenation becomes less the lungs cannot transfer that much oxygen from the air to the blood when that happens the heart is the one the organ that pumps blood to the lungs and then circulates rest of the body when the oxygen level is less the heart has to work double triple four times more it is like running a marathon continuously for 24 hours when that happens the heart obviously start to fail So in a normal person also, somebody has a very severe form of COVID, the person can get into heart failure because of the body is not getting enough oxygen, heart is working overtime. That's number one way of getting problem. 
Number two, when the COVID happens, the body releases certain inflammatory material chemicals to fight this virus. Those chemicals also make the body's blood more thick. So there's a tendency for the blood to start forming clot. It can form clot inside the heart, in the brain, or the other parts of the body, even on the leg. So that is the second way how the COVID affects the heart. Number three, people who have already got pre-existing heart problem. Not everybody has, but some people have pre-existing heart problem. There are also two types. One, people who have already know that they have a heart problem. People don't know who have a heart problem. The last part of the people who have heart disease, they don't know. They're asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms. Now, when this heart has to work double, triple, or four times, then obviously the asymptomatic heart disease comes to the front. People know they have a heart problem. They start having symptoms. The second thing is even other than that, this People have blockages inside the artery, but they don't know because the blockages, unless there's 70-80%, you don't get any symptoms. Suppose the blockage is only 20-30%. These chemicals that body releases to fight the virus, they make these blockages soft. So what happens is that blockages suddenly can rupture. And when also these chemicals, as I said, makes the blood thick so that the blood can start forming clot near, in, near these blockages. So the person can get a heart attack from that. And the last category, people already have existing heart problem. Obviously, when somebody already has existing heart problem, heart has to work three, four times more, and there's a blood clot formation, then the person can get heart attack and get into problem. The another one where the COVID also works is the chemicals that body releases to fight the virus also can react on the heart muscles and damage the heart muscle. It's called cardiomyopathy. It's called COVID cardiomyopathy. So these are the many ways, four or five ways, that the COVID pandemic is affecting the heart. The good thing is we have to understand that 80 to 90% people don't get symptoms. So they don't have this problem by and large. Though there have been reports where people don't have symptoms, but they get this COVID-related heart affection, but they are usually mild and it settles down. And the second good thing is if you take a vaccine, it protects you to almost 98 to 99%. Versus 80 85%. So I'll urge everybody to take the vaccine and that can prevent anybody having a severe form. The more severe form of COVID one gets, more likely the heart is going to get affected. Even though with a very mild form, one can get heart affection, but they are usually less. Doctor, some of the mRNA vaccines that they've not yet come into India, but what we're reading of the mRNA vaccines overseas seem to have heart-related side effects. The numbers may be very, very small. So how would you explain this and what does one need to know? How can you put this in perspective for the rest of us? Yes, you see, uh, mRNA vaccine so far, even uh, around just a month back, they come out with a statement that it doesn't have, there's no evidence that it affects, produces clot. See, in USA, they have given to 231 million people and there has been no... Uh, really causal relationship with this. Very few people have got it. Same thing happened in UK and Portugal. What has happened is some of the vaccines like Oxford, AstraZeneca and Johnson, Johnson, that they have seen in some people who there is a relationship, some people who get uh, this blood clotting, but that is again in a very specific population, usually women below the age of 60, especially those who are taking a oral oral uh, contraceptive because that uh, makes the blood little thick. Also, people who have got a very high inflammatory marker. So one can do check out that by just doing a CRP level. And if the CRP levels are very high, they are the population. But again, extremely, extremely rare. If you look at it in India also, we have given how many more than 
200 million yeah. i'm talking two dosages so the incidence right. is very low so when you look at the benefit versus the side effect is absolutely minuscule i'll give you another example people don't realize the risk of this allergic reaction to vaccine versus a simple injection and penicillin penicillin is probably one injection everybody in india probably sometime in our life we have taken penicillin now penicillin has 50 times more risk of allergic reaction than this covid vaccine the only thing is when you are giving a very mass scale you are giving to 70 crore people obviously there will be a small number of people get it but the percentage is extremely extremely low again i'll reiterate that mrna vaccine at least at this stage there is no evidence that it causes blood clot only two vaccine that oxford astrazeneca and the johnson vaccine has been associated but in a very selected population and again it is extremely rare as i said below 60 females and those who have only oral contraceptive or who have a blood clotting tendency so as long as you check out those people have to be little careful they can take a blood thinner and still take it and there is a lot of concern about heart patient especially they think that you know taking vaccine is very dangerous i always advise you heart patient that don't worry at all because most of the heart patient either way are on a blood thinning medicine like aspirin clopidogrel and all those or warfarin so for them it is safe they are already on a blood thinning medicine so chances of anything happening with the vaccine in a heart patient is extremely extremely low on the other hand if they get a covid the risk of to the life at or the risk of getting a very severe form of disease is very high so i very strongly recommend vaccine and the incidence is extremely low right so heart patients they continue to take their blood thinning medicines even when they go for their vaccine yes. shot there are two types of blood thinning one is that uh, these are aspirin clopidogrel which are antiplatelets that they don't have to stop the other one is called uh, blood thinning which people take for valve or sometime brain problem or there is a clot in the heart is called uh, oral anticoagulation that they have to keep it make sure they do a test beforehand to see that blood thinning is in the optimal range second thing always you advise that don't rub after the injection just keep it press that side for 2 minutes or little more than that don't rub when you rub that bleeding the chances are happening as long as you take these two precautions all patients can take especially those who are already on a blood thinning medicine don't rub right. the side just keep it press for more than 2 minutes it will and use a very thin needle to give the injection Right. In our hospital, right. we give it to all our heart patients. Not a single patient has problem. That's excellent. That's good to know. Yeah. Also, if I think anybody does have any sort of misgivings, it's best they talk to their doctor as well before yes. they yes. Uh, yes. go in for a yes. shot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'll strongly so, suggest those who are little high risk, they can always talk to the doctor, take advice, and then go for vaccine. But I strongly right. urge everybody to take the vaccine. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Doc, recently the WHO had redefined the readings for blood pressure and revised yes. it upwards to 140 by 90 for normal people yeah. who don't have a risk profile. What does yeah. this mean? Earlier, the normal level was 120 by you know 80, 80. I think. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, what does this mean? See, so what happens is uh, once in 15, 20 years they revise because the new information comes in, which you know. shows a different than what we thought 20 years back if you look at it this is coming after more than almost 20 years the what we found is that if still if you see the recommendation the ideal is 12080 for so the ideal way blood pressure one should try to keep it 120 and 80 or below 
if you cannot maintain it is not possible for a person to maintain uh, throughout the day throughout the day also blood pressure varies with the situation that you go in the body has a clock so depending on that the bp whatever you do still is going to be different throughout the day number two also the stress factor external factor does affect and then we realize that between 120 to 140 especially if the person already has a pre existing heart problem diabetes or other problem then they need to keep it 130 and 85 below but if you don't have any problem 140 to 90 is okay but still having said that i still strongly advise people to try to keep it at the ideal range which is 120 to 80 and quite often what happens is the people just go and take one measurement one measurement has no meaning that also we could call it white coat blood pressure because the moment you go to doctor's office you are little bit you know tense so bp goes up so normally you advise wait for 5 minutes relax yourself and take the blood pressure properly without in you know, us on the bare skin not many people go the full sleeve shirt then you start taking the bp on top of the full sleeve shirt or full sleeve dress you take it out the issue on a bare skin you have to also measure the level because it has to done at the heart level see that the blood pressure equipment is at the heart level because if you keep it 10 mm 10 cm below that level your bp will go up by 10 mm so these are basic things one should do and one should take at least couple of reading before one should think about if it is the blood pressure is in the borderline range i'll put it 120 to 140 so up to 140 by 90 it is okay that what we do is we advise ancillary measures today ancillary measures are equally important the ancillary measures are reducing stress and and doing exercise so regular exercise as i had told in the beginning of the talk has a very significant beneficial effect on everything heart disease blood pressure because regular exercise makes your arteries very pliable or soft as you age our arteries because of stress factor etc arteries start becoming hardened when you become hardened that is how the blood pressure goes up but you, when you do exercise the arteries become soft so exercise yoga to reduce stress these two things are very good supplement nowadays i strongly recommend every patient who has a blood pressure start this two at least if the bp reading is between 120 to 140 not to worry not to start medicine do this supplemental thing if you have got overweight lose weight exercise yoga and if it is again repeat major uh, check after a month or so or two two weeks if it is still high then you start the medication if it is more than 14590 don't do it based on only one reading also doc recently there was the study on the you know and and these keep coming up studies on the polypill and this time they say the polypill cuts risk of stroke by half and for those who may be listening in a polypill combines uh, multiple drugs it's a combination drug yeah. that includes an aspirin a statin and two other drugs to uh, you know to cut blood pressure so what are your thoughts on this doc Yes, the reason what they found is all over the world, not in India alone. Even in advanced countries like USA, the people's compliance to taking medicine is very poor because this is a lifelong. Once you have got high blood pressure, it is lifelong. You take medicines lifelong. People's compliance to taking the medicine is very poor. If you say take this much morning, morning one tablet, afternoon two tablet, night three tablet. people uh, you know tend to forget that busy with work schedule you tend to not take it and forget it so that is where the polypill comes very handy you just take once in a day we combines at least two blood pressure medicine one blood thinning medicine and one cholesterol medicine so that is a very good idea my strong suggestion to do that because the compliance will be much better with the polypill and normally we recommend at least two blood pressure medicine not a single blood pressure medicine because with two blood pressure medicine you can give a lower dose so that your side effects are less 
so we started this conversation on you know with the football incident and yeah. the call to have defibrillators in in open yeah. spaces yeah. how yeah. is it in india doctor and are there policy interventions that you think need to be urgently focused on given given that we do have such a worrying heart profile in the country yes you know it happens in supposed to be extremely fit people because of a multiple reason one is there is a lot of these people are born with a very defective defect in the heart which is called anomalous coronary artery the artery that supply blood to the heart it comes out in a wrong position either it comes out high up or it comes out between the two main arteries aorta and pulmonary artery the moment you do exercise this artery they dilate they may pulmonary artery and aorta when it dilates it kinks or compresses the artery that's why this absolutely normal super fit people suddenly they or fall down they heart fibrillates and they die that is one reason why the blood supply to the heart gets pinched when they do exercise this is a birth defect now second one also may some of these people are prone this called cardiomyopathy there certain problem in the muscle the moment you do exercise heart becomes very irritable and can stop and one thing that can be save life is as soon as you can do the faster you do the better within 5 seconds you do it is almost 100% you revive you do 30 seconds is little less one or two minutes ideally it should be done within two minutes now within two minutes if you are keeping somewhere else a defibrillator you are not going to get it so it is very strongly recommended that today and especially all the major sports event where we are having very you know strenuous type of physical activity we should must have a defibrillator even now at least in the policy sense if you find all the airports in india have i'll give you example around few years back one of the senior executives one of the major companies in india he was in Venice airport and he arrested there and immediately resuscitated they admitted to hospital he came back after a week and operated him he had found to be severe form of blockage too many blockages so this is definitely going to save life the faster one does they are not very expensive they are hardly lakh or 2 lakh rupees and that can be kept in all these places at least today all the airports have but one important thing is one has to reach this less than 2 minutes ideally if you can get it as fast as possible you can revive the heart until that time other thing i'll strongly recommend also in the policy matter in addition to keeping defibrillator is train the general population in cardiopulmonary resuscitation in country like usa it is done as a routine in the colleges to all the college students almost 30% of the population in usa are trained in cardiopulmonary resuscitation where the person heart stops they are trained how to revive the person because they, when somebody suddenly in the street collapses the person who can save the life is the person who is just next to him so that is something snr around 4 5 years back we had taken initiative with mumbai police we had trained lot of people almost 10000 people we had trained and then covid came so post covid we are planning to do that in a big way in the city of mumbai that is a policy decision i'll strongly appeal and recommend that the general population need to be trained in how to do a cardiopulmonary resuscitation okay. that can save a okay. lot of in addition to that available of defibrillator in all the public spaces not necessarily i like this gentleman he was not running around or doing anything unfortunately he had asymptomatic critical blockages in the heart and he was just going on the airport and collapsed suddenly so now we are pretty much at the at the start of a long festive season yes and yes. on one side you're going to find people you know indulging themselves and there is also yes. a concern of the third wave that hangs yeah. over everyone's head yes. so as a doctor who you know pretty much takes care of our hearts in that sense what would you advise to keep this balance between both festivities and you know staying safe 
I think the most important thing is the three basic steps: wearing mask, especially double mask, keeping the physical distance of two meters at least, and frequent hand wash or use sanitizer two steps, uh, you know, to disinfect your hand. These are the three most important things. I still advise that are necessary if it not needed. Please don't gather in a big crowd if unnecessarily. because as you said there is a possibility you might still get the third wave though i think the third wave will be in terms of severity will be probably less than the second wave because at least lot of people already got the infection they have got some amount of immunity number 2 so today 70 crore people have been vaccinated so when that happens even though vaccine doesn't protect 100% against the disease but it protects almost 100% against severe form so severe form of getting disease will be less but i very strongly recommend everybody to follow those three basic principles on that note doctor from both the business line team and myself thank you so much for your time and your critical insights on something that's so important it's my pleasure it has been a pleasure really thank you so much mm-hmm.